Hey there, podcast enthusiasts. Welcome to the 40 Under 40 podcast. I'm Caitlin Cromick. And I'm AJ McQuarrie. Get ready for a wild ride as we dive into the minds of extraordinary people in under 40 minutes. That's right, Caitlin. On this show, we ask 40 thought-provoking and insightful questions. All within 40 minutes. These questions cover everything from entrepreneurship to personal development. Career insights to relationship advice. And even the latest buzz in current events. Our aim? To provide rapid-fire, concise answers. That offer unique perspectives and keep you engaged. Get ready as we uncover the brilliance of our guests. In the most energetic and dynamic manner. So, grab your headphones. Or just speakers are fine. And get ready for a high-octane journey of knowledge and entertainment. Hey listeners, get ready for another episode of the 40 Under 40 podcast. For show notes, to watch the video version of our episodes, or to apply to be a guest, visit 40under40podcast.com. Now let's get started. Introducing co-hosts Caitlin Cromit and AJ McQuarrie. All right, welcome back, folks. Hey! It's our second episode now on video and audio, obviously. But. 40 under 40 <laughs> podcast. 40 questions under 40 minutes. We're super excited, folks. Welcome. With your favorite co hosts who you can now watch as we talk to our guests, which makes it all the more fun and catch us doing strange things on video. <laughs> and sometimes being distracted, which is no bueno. <laughs> yeah, exactly. AJ, cough. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm really excited about our next guest. His name is Dan Fail. Caitlin, you and I know him fairly well, similar to you know our last guest. We've, it's really nice when we know our guests. And Dan's an amazing guy. He's a professional speaker. He works in the in the college market. He's a speaker. He's a coach. He does keynotes, workshops, consulting, coaches. He speaks on failure. Go figure, his last name's Fail, F-A-I-L-L. He speaks on imposter syndrome. This is something we all deal with as entrepreneurs, as, as humans, not even just entrepreneurs. And he also speaks on leadership. So he uses a lot of humor and stories to create a deeper connection with his audiences. And he likes to make the uncomfortable more relatable. And we're gonna learn about that. We're gonna learn about some of the things he talks about. It can be heavy, serious stuff. He's worked over 15 years on college campuses advocating for safe and positive student experiences. And now Dan is traveling, Caitlin Yu, and I know this, he's always on the road. He travels around the country as a full-time speaker and a consultant. And he shares personal yeah. stories that engage and inspire us to be our authentic selves. So let's just bring yeah. him on and have an amazing conversation. I have a feeling he's going to be a little more chatty. He loves to chat and talk and he has he a lot to does. say. He does. And we'd like to ask some personal questions too, not just about the business. So we'll throw some of those in there. Awesome. All right, let's bring Dan on. But before that, a quick word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Keep Going HQ. The entrepreneur's headquarters where the mission is simple, to fuel your small business journey. Whether you're brainstorming your first big idea or scaling towards that 10-figure dream, Keep Going HQ's got you covered with their innovative marketing solutions, expert virtual assistance, and proactive outbound outreach. Ready to elevate your business? Visit KeepGoingHQ.com now. Let's make those entrepreneurial dreams a reality. Why wait? Keep going. Visit KeepGoingHQ.com to learn more. All right, Dan, welcome to the 40 Under 40 podcast. It's so great to have you. Thank you. It's uh, happy to be here. Yeah, we're just going to kick things off and get things started. Like, tell us, what's what's your title? What do you do in life? <laughs> I think that depends on who you ask. So I think, like most entrepreneurs, I'm a slashy, right? So I'm a dad slash 
vice president of campus support for an organization slash speaker slash consultant. Um, so I have a lot of different titles. Or if you're my kids, I just also go by Hey Bra. So it just kind of depends. <laughs> love that. I love it. What are three words you use to describe yourself? Oh gosh, um, fun. Uh, can I hyphenate? Oh, I didn't mean to do that. Um, uh, I would say fun. Um, let's do thought provoking and authentic. Love it. Where did you grow up? Originally born and raised in North Carolina, Wilmington, North Carolina on the other coast. And where do you live now? Oh, I am in the city of angels, Los Angeles, California. Love it. Great city. Miss it. Caitlin and I are not in that city anymore. How did you get started in the college market? Okay, so I will try to do a long story short on this one. Um, I worked in the college space and I still kind of work in the college space. And so it's a very tight knit community in the higher education marketplace. And I was serving as an assistant director in one role. And a friend of mine at Cal State Northridge uh, phoned me up and he was like, hey, Dan, my students don't want to hear from me anymore. They're tired of hearing from me. I need someone who's funny and can like get through some serious risk conversations because they don't understand that their intent or their like, it's just fun, might have an impact later. And so can you just get them to not be weird, silly, break rules, all that kind of stuff. And so I was like, okay, cool, like come in. Uh, he offered to pay me and more than just a turkey sandwich, which I thought was big. Uh, so the $300 I think that I got for that one, I was like, oh my God, that's so great. And so then um, I did that gig and students were coming up just saying like, hey, this was really good. It didn't suck. I thought it was gonna be horrible. Uh, and that then of course, another friend at Cal State Long Beach heard and then someone at uh, Fresno State heard. And so I started in Southern California and just kind of continued to do more engagements. Uh, and I'm pretty involved in, in the volunteer space for the association that I'm involved with um, in the higher ed space. And so that word kind of got out and I continued to grow in, from there. I love it. Great job keeping a long story short. That was very concise, beautifully done. How did you get into professional speaking? 30 seconds speaking? to answer is rough, y'all. Like, I know. We like to like present a challenge to our guests. <laughs> well, um, here we go. Okay, what's next? Yeah, I know. Yeah, you're going to be like, whew. Uh, okay, the next question is, how did you get into professional speaking? I think that was kind of the segue. And so knowing that uh, I had a knack for taking difficult subjects and making them more relatable for student organizations and for student leaders was really helpful for me. And then seeing, and I think, I guess, getting some of that validation in that same regard. And so knowing that I was getting picked up to just speak on a campus, but then I was getting session, sessions at regional conferences picked up and then asked to speak on stages for campuses. So it just kind of continued to build on itself and I think a very natural way. It also, I think, was helpful that I, like I mentioned, I'm a volunteer in multiple capacities for that association. So I think just being physically present and engaged also, I guess, kind of left me at the top of mind to continue to get those engagements. Love it. What's your favorite part about speaking on stage? Oh, I, okay. So there's two answers to this. First answer being on the ego side of things, it's very nice to feel that validation of they got the message, they understood it, and that they walked out feeling, 
heard, valued, seen, but then also show that appreciation back of like, hey, thought that was going to be a horrible waste of my hour. Thanks for not wasting it. So there's there's that part. I also think for just kind of like the knowing I'm making a difference piece. So I have very difficult subject matters, um, right, in terms of my topics. And so when I talk about the, in higher ed, the intersection of alcohol and consent, that's not a comfortable topic. But when students come back to me, either as soon as the keynote's done, a week later, a month later, a semester later, and they're like, hey, by the way, that really made a difference. I was able to get my friend help, or I was able to, to be an intervener in that moment. It's just, there's some power in that. And I feel like that that's making a difference. So we know your last name is Fail, and you talk about failure, but I, I want to ask briefly what are these difficult subject matters that you're bringing up here i know you i know we heard alcohol and consent um can you expand upon a couple of those yeah um uh, and though that one has remained my i guess my favorite one to do in the higher education setting because they they need something also from a male perspective um, which i feel like is not often heard in those regards when i'm doing other keynotes you've kind of alluded to it failure people don't like to talk about failure but when it's your last name, you kind of have to lean into it. And so how can you make failure more relatable? And it, the other items that I do talk about is, well, what is masculinity and vulnerability? Or, or just vulnerability. And what does that look and feel like in a corporate setting, in a feedback setting, in a relationship setting, in a standard setting? Uh, and then that negative voice that sometimes we have in our head around imposter syndrome of, oh, you're just not good enough. And why are you even here? And they're going to figure out that you're a fraud. People want and need to have those conversations. I like to think that they don't because we often stop ourselves before we start. And so I like to have those conversations that matter because we all want to have them. We're just awkward and not sure where to even start. Why do you think those topics are important more than ever these days for college students? I think they're important for society, um, right? If, so if you think about it, I continue to get older and college students continue to stay the same age. So the impact that I'm able to make is a lifelong, my hope is that it's a lifelong impact so that they're able to reframe failure as a part of leadership, as a part of success. So they're able to tackle this voice of imposter syndrome or negativity or, or self-worth. They're able to, to discuss that and come to terms with it or better identify a path forward when using it and recognizing it. So it's, yeah, it's college students, but if I'm teaching recruitment skills for student organizations, that's a lifelong skill that they will continue to use in any environment. So I see it as not just a college piece, but really a societal piece that makes a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have a specific example of maybe a personal experience with failure that's kind of impacted this journey of you speaking about failure? I mean, this is supposed to be a short conversation, so I don't know where we would start. <laughs> um, I mean, like on a personal piece, I'm divorced. So I, did I fail at marriage? Uh, I don't, you know, I, I've yelled at my kids before. Does that make me a failure as a parent? I have had ex-girlfriends. I have had, right? Like, so you can look at it from so many different ways, but in, in terms of failure, I think, again, and I jokingly say that if you've got the last name fail, it really doesn't matter what your first name is, because you're going to hear it all. So I'm all <laughs> from teachers growing up, well, well, I hope you don't fail this class, and I hope you don't live up to your last name. And it's like, okay, cool. There's no oh, I've heard that before. They're mean. Yeah, 
<laughs> and so you, you you say mean, but like for some people, they think that it's bonding, right? Like that snarky approach could be their effort to bond. Uh, and on my end, I just have been able to, I think, finally let it roll off my shoulders and off my back a little bit more so that it doesn't phase me as much. And so when we think about how does failure impact our lives, I do think that I've had some resiliency and that's what failure helps build up is that the resiliency to X, Y, or Z or the unknown. And so the the resiliency of failure is a life lesson. To know that you got an F in a class is not the end of learning. It just means that you either need to refocus your attention somewhere else, or maybe that's not the right subject, i.e. field, course of work, whatever that is for you. And that's okay. Love it. All right, just to kind of move things along a little faster here with shorter questions now and then, what's, okay. what time of day are you most productive? That twilight hour. Um, I'm probably more productive between 7 and 10 p.m. And you just don't want to talk to me between 7 and 10 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's Same. So- that's so interesting. Um, what do you do when you're not feeling motivated? Like, how do you get yourself out of a rut? Ooh, that's a real good one. So I think everyone is a little different. And mine even depends on what kind of rut I'm in. Am I in a creative rut? In which case I need to like get out and I need to get more bored. And, and that might not seem the same. So again, living in LA, might as well use the weather. I don't get out enough. There have been times where I don't even see the light of day and I have a whoops, window right here. And so there's just times where I'm like, oh, you know, whatever. So sometimes taking a walk, sometimes taking a bath, sometimes just letting myself sit. Um, but what I end up doing and need to, to stop is when I turn on like Netflix or when I turn on uh, just a show or, or, or anything, that I turn my brain off of, which is not helpful. But depending on the rut is what activity I'll do. So if it's creativity of a rut, I need to get more bored. Um, if it's writing curriculum, that's a whole different mind space than creativity. So what do I need to like get in that? And is it reading a book that might inspire some additional curriculum writing? It just depends. On that same note, do you prefer books or podcasts? I'm going to say neither. <laughs> um, I say, okay, okay. So I say neither in, in an aspect of, I, I used to listen to podcasts a lot. Um, and I got out of it. And I think part of that is just, I became quote busy. And when you work from home, I don't have the commute. So in LA, when I used to drive to work in different offices, um, that's very easy to hop on podcasts. And I love doing the podcast when I'm doing a road trip or traveling to an engagement. Um, books wise, I have quite a few books. And I would say that most of those are unread because I see it and I'm like, ooh, I really want this one. Um, I have another one that's right here that I still need to read. Um, <laughs> I, I like books um, and I like the feel of a book more than a Kindle or something like that, but I, I don't do a good enough job setting aside personal time to actually sit and read. That's a failure. Did you go to college? If so, where? I did. I'm a proud graduate of the University of North Carolina, Wilmington, where I was born and raised. Love it. What did you study there? I did, shocking, I know, I did communication and leadership studies. Um, I actually started as a theater major, and I had a really bad faculty, I say bad faculty advisor. She, I'm sure, was a really good faculty advisor, but when at 17 years old, I thought I knew everything. And so she and I did not uh, mesh well. And so I was like, how do I take my love of being on a stage or in front of people 
and not be a theater major and communication seemed like the right the right move which has affected my life so i think it was the right move yeah absolutely that was kind of my next question do you feel like that's impacted your journey as an entrepreneur i think for sure i i have joked i've joked with my daughter um and so this is a little bit of a different answer but i've joked with my daughter that she i want her to take some level of entrepreneur class business class finance class i didn't because i was like I'm calm studies. I don't need to take. I'm leadership studies. I, don't, <laughs> and I wish that I had because my daughter has a similar entrepreneurial spirit. And I'm like, I just need you to understand the business side of that endeavor um, to set yourself up for better success. So did my communication and leadership studies affect my keynotes and my business? My keynotes, yes. My messaging, yes. My business, not as much as it should. And I would blame that more on me not taking those classes. Love that. So I am kind of shifting gears here. You talk a lot. I know you've talked about toxic masculinity, specifically like to college students and that sort of thing. So like what motivated you to have this as a topic? I know it's very important. It it is. And there's so many layers to this. So there's a new book out of Boys and Men, um, and it's by Richard Reeves. And I've now heard him speak, and he does a lot of research. So fascinating quick facts. The reason I like doing work for men, and I I don't, I try to never use the word toxic masculinity. I'm like, if we're going to talk about masculinity, period. Because there's not toxic or not. It's not a two-sided coin. Um, Just like, you know, there's a lot of different types of burgers. Are you going to get a hamburger? Are you going to get a cheeseburger? Are you going to get a bacon on it? Are you going to get an egg on it? Are you going to get, right? So there's so many different types of a burger, just like there are so many different facets or a spectrum of masculinity. So I want people to understand that there is that difference. Also looking at some of the studies from Richard Reeves and what he's doing of America's First Institute for Boys and Men, that one really encompasses like male enrollment in colleges on a decline. Uh, male uh, degrees, degree-seeking men also want to decline. Male engagement on a college campus, whether that be student uh, organizations, student government, orientation leading, whatever that is, also on the decline. So we have this massive gap that continues to build uh, in in American society. And, And how do we tackle that? Well, we do it by empowering men in a way that they've not been used to before. And that's through just better conversations. And you're seeing some of that data and research come from Dr. Brene Brown and, and vulnerability and what that looks like for masculinity. So we're, we're at a cusp of getting there, but we've not done a great job as society over the last couple thousand years of really setting up men to understand change and really embrace that for their own identities moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I know this is going to be a hard question, but I'm going to ask it anyways, and I'm going to have you dig deep. If you had to pick one topic that you speak about for the, and you had to speak about that one only for the rest of your life, which one would it be? Okay. I, so I'm like, I'm trying to think of this. So I feel like the concept of imposter syndrome shows up for so many different types of people and audiences, regardless of path of life. And I get a lot of joy out of that one. Okay. I come back to like the marketing aspect of it, but like marketing wise, like fail and failure 
pretty big. Um, and I came up with this whole concept around failure and the, the phases of failure and how you can successfully lead organizations by grounding it in vulnerability and going through. So if slash when I ever write that book, I, that's one where I feel like the most traction would happen because um, it's also a topic that a lot of people don't want to talk about. In one sentence, what is imposter syndrome? <laughs> can I can I use a semicolon? Sure. I'm going to anyway. Thanks. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, spoiler alert, everyone. Imposter syndrome is a myth. Semicolon. It's a collection of feelings that shows up for everyone in different ways. And that's based off identity. It's based off someone. I, again, I can break into all that later, but there you go. I like it. You did a really great job with that. Give us two of your top strategies for overcoming imposter syndrome. Just super quick. Okay. Um, I think first off is recognizing what the feeling is to you. So if I feel like, um, like when it shows up, so in the moment, oh my gosh, someone's going to feel like I'm a failure or I'm a fraud. What caused that? And was it a lived experience or was it a perceived experience? Because I feel like that's very different for people to identify. The second one, and this is just my own personal fun one, is I like to name it. And so if I have named my imposter syndrome, then I can actually call out how ridiculous it is. So for me, like imposter syndrome might show up or like the voice of reasons, right? So it's like the little Jiminy Cricket on your shoulder. And so I have named my imposter syndrome Jimmy Cockroach, and I've drawn a little picture of <laughs> Some odd reason sounds like a 70-year-old smoker from Jersey. <laughs> it's like, Dan, I don't know why you're going to do it. Like, you're not good enough. I hate this guy already. I don't know why it is, but... But when I hear that, and when I hear that voice come in, I can realize how ridiculous that thought is. And that helps me move past that feeling, that initial feeling of imposter syndrome. Love it. Uh, when did this trashy New Jersey come into your life most recently? Like, when did you feel like an imposter? Can you just share us a quick little moment, uh, a recent moment? Yeah. What's funny is that, so right now is the kind of like conference proposal acceptance season uh, for a lot of February conferences in higher education. And it, it popped up for me specifically because I got offered a closing keynote for one of the larger student conferences in the nation. And it's out here in, in Los Angeles or in Southern California. Um, and I remember being offered that and it, I was offered another one at a regional, which was like a game changer. So it's like a big room set for like eight, 900 people out of like a 2000 person conference. And that's, you're like one of the only things happening at that time to get people to go. Those stage, well, I'm used to being on stages in front of thousands of people, but for some odd reason that Jimmy Cockroach came in to be like, is that really the message that you need that stage for? Do they need you in that moment? And I'm like, they asked me, like, I didn't even apply for those. They asked me to be a part of the game changer of the closing keynote. And so that mental state of, oh, no, I was asked because I am good enough for it. And I've proven myself in this field um, and where I, I try to where I'm struggling, even just currently, because this was quite literally within the last week where I'm struggling is the OK, well, then do I change my message? Do I need to adapt my message? What does that really look like to to show up as my best self? in those moments for the this, the big stages for that. 
Yeah, absolutely. I can see it. Okay, a couple quick, more personal questions. What's your biggest pet peeve? Just one? Um, I'm, I'm going through all my different pet peeves to figure out the biggest one. Probably people who are on either speakerphone or FaceTime without headphones. <laughs> yeah, on a in a public place, yeah. The worst. Yeah. I hate those people. Uh, what is your proudest moment? to date i mean I'm, there's several that where I, I feel really accomplished as a as a human being um i think one of those was and it's kind of like a self-serving one but like the i've received some recognition uh, as a professional i received a speaker's integrity award um from this one agency that i was with back in the day and and that felt good because it, it people knew who i was was who I was. So you knew that my authenticity and vulnerability and who I was showing up was always going to be the same, regardless of client, regardless of conversation, regardless of friend. Um, and so that, that was really cool. Okay, quick five second or less answers. <laughs> Caitlin's what? on top of this time. <laughs> Here we go. I know, I know. I, I could talk to you all day, Jan, trust me, but we are <laughs> <laughs> I love how she's being. And I love it. But anyways, here we are. Okay, five seconds or less. Hardest part about being an entrepreneur? The back-end systems. And not knowing what works for you. The easiest part of being an entrepreneur? Do, like, doing what you love. Mm, love it. How I'm do you feeling start energized about it. I feel like I want to give context, but I'm not. Okay, go. How do you start your day? Sleepy. No, um, usually with cold brew coffee and every now and then I will have the alarm, like the, the Alexa alarm, start off with like spa music in the morning. So it's like this restful starting to wake up process. Love it. Can you give some context to what you wanted to give context to? I mean, I could, but I feel like Caitlin's going to cut off. <laughs> well, we pushed it along. We're good. We're good on time. For folks listening, remember. we need to ask 40 questions under 40 minutes. So we're out of time, crutch people. <laughs> people. That was Jiminy the Cockroach con- coming out. Yeah, what's the context? I don't. I for which one? Because I had context for like each. So the waking up to spa music or the coffee in the morning. Um, I I think having as a dad post kids. Um, not post kids, they're still my children. Um, they're getting older. So I, I have, I've realized that I'm grumpier without coffee. Now, am I willing to give up coffee to give up the headaches? No. Um, do I feel more productive with coffee? Undetermined, but do I feel unproductive without coffee? Correct. And so the spa music in the morning is to, uh, yeah, I picked it up from a buddy of mine's house where he just like opens up with spa music every morning when I would like sleep at his house and then like come downstairs and spa music and coffee playing. And I'm like, that's just a really nice way to ease into the day, especially if you're not a morning person. So for yeah, me, like that's like, vibe. I think part of that. And it's not even a routine because um, I got rid of the spa music because it used to go off at like 6.30 a.m. so that I would hear it after my alarm went off and be like, oh, yes, okay, it is time to wake up. And then my kids were like, turn off the music in the morning because they're closer to the speaker than I am. So whatever. Mm, Love it. Classic. What would be like one piece of advice you would give to an aspiring entrepreneur? I would ask the question, what sets you apart from the crowd? And how do you then capitalize on that? 
Love it. Love and it. do you think something we ask a lot on this podcast is like, do you think entrepreneurs are born or bred? Like, can you, are you born an entrepreneur or can it be something that you can learn and adapt to? Yes. <laughs> I think it's both. <laughs> Um, that does it is horrible no. <laughs> and not answer the question. Okay, all right. Here's what I will say: Some entrepreneurs are truly born because they have a better drive. I think I struggle with my drive sometimes because then that's the negative imposter syndrome, etc., coming through. But are are they born? Yes. I used to sell for a nickel. I used to go to like Costco, Sam's Club, and get the giant things of um, oh my gosh, like the taffy, uh, the little taffies. Oh my gosh, I don't remember the name of them. Jolly Ranchers. Oh, okay. I used to go to school like with a lunchbox full of Jolly Ranchers, and people knew that they could give me fifty cents and pick out their favorite Jolly Ranchers. Like you knew that you could come to me for Jolly Ranchers. When the CDs were like the BMG Music Group, and you could buy the CDs for cheap or whatever, I turned that into a business in middle school and junior high, so that I would sell the ten CDs. Mm-hmm. I would then get. So I think it is born or inherent to some of us. That being said, I think that there are enough uh, coaches and there are enough courses and there are enough uh, skills that you can learn. And again, this is where like, I don't, no one taught me about the backend systems that are needed as an entrepreneur. That's I think where the, the drive and passion separates the entrepreneur from those who just have a good idea. Love it. Absolutely. Do you work with a team? You're looking at him. Team of one currently. I have a, a part, very, very part-time VA who's going through a lot of like personal family stuff. And so I just kind of said, focus on all of that and your job is still here when you're, when you're ready. Um, and he's back on the East Coast. So how do you like, be, you're a speaker, you're an entrepreneur, how do you book your gigs and get your clients? Um, well, right now, uh, some of it has just been people contacting me, and we love that sort of business. And so, um, referrals. Of, yeah, and and again, some of it has come from other speakers from NSA SoCal, uh, which has been very helpful. And some of it, again, just because I've been in my own education industry for twenty years, that just known known name has led to some. Um, I think, again, I do a garbage job with my backend systems. I don't have much, if any, um, because I am all about free 99. Like free is one of the the best four letter F words that exists. So as an entrepreneur, if I can get it for free, I'm gonna use it for free, even if it's a 30 day trial. Um, And so I don't do enough of my emails. I've got like three or 4,000 emails that I don't send content to. And again, that's that negative voice of, but what are you gonna say? Like, what value are you gonna add to their inbox? And so I stop myself before I start a little bit. So that's that's probably where I struggle with how to get the leads, but I show up, I go to the conferences, I don't get paid to go to the conferences. So I pay to attend them, airfare, like the one that I'm keynoting, I'm paying to go there and register for the conference. But I also know that that conference will give me good FaceTime and that could mm-hmm. then turn into a, a relationship with a client later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, finding that balance. Okay, couple quick personal, who is Dan Vale? What's your favorite season or time of the year? I love late spring into summer in Southern California because it's not overly hot. I miss the fall back, back east, the seasons. Yeah, that's but nice. Not the humidity, not humidity. What's your astrological sign and do you believe in it or think it's BS? Um, I am a Libra 
with an aquarium uprising. Oh, uh, God. I actually don't, I don't know that. I don't know oh, okay. Part. I thought you were in serious. Aquarium. It's Aquarius. No, I don't even I don't know. know. I don't know, like, because there's the, like, sun rising, moon rising, sun Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know any of that. I'm a Libra. Um, I'm an October baby. And so what's funny is that I used to joke with people that we were one of the only signs that isn't, like, have, have a heartbeat. <laughs> so, like, it scales. But that also makes sense because if you realize already, okay. I... I don't balance for shit for, I don't balance very well, but I will weigh different <laughs> options. And so it's like, what's your favorite season? Well, I have this, but then also on the other side, I like this. So it makes sense yeah. in that regard. I feel it, I'm a Libra too. So Libras unite. Woo. What do you do for fun? Uh, I'm a father, so I do not have fun. No, <laughs> um, <laughs> I answer. actually, what's funny is that as soon as we're done, I do enjoy a good brewery a good local brewery and so a friend of mine and i found some good local uh, minority owned breweries so i'm actually about to head out and and meet him and we're gonna have something there and then um i do enjoy movies like, i really enjoy movies i used to work for stan lee back in the day like 10 15 years ago and so um i love wow. the Marvel cinematic universe and and all of that That's so, so cool. I, I i like to geek out in that regard um and then really i just if i can spend time with my kids because they're getting older and aren't gonna want to spend time with me so i'm trying to soak in as much as i can on that regard right now i, I just have to ask like how, you work for stan lee like what the frick yeah that's a fun one to just drop as like two truths and a lie um i did uh, i i just kind of fell into that by accident um i got paid to go to san diego comic-con and this is probably 10 10 years ago or so um so really cool experiences i got to literally just kind of sit my first job for stan lee was to get him an orange soda um, here at the LA Convention Center, which, fun fact, find me a drink machine in general. Find me a soda, regular drink machine, can drink machine that has orange soda in it. It's very difficult. So I had to run around to all the oh, different I vendors. Like, I'm working for Stan. Thankfully, I had my like little Stan insignia stuff. I was like, so I'm working for Stan. Do you have an orange soda? And I went around to probably 20 different artists and vendors asking. Um, and so that was my first one. And he had a couple sips and was like, thank you. And then put it down. It's like, okay, great. <laughs> Of course. So what's your favorite movie? Okay, okay. so then not a Stanley movie or, or a Marvel movie at all. My favorite movie is uh, Dead Poet Society. Um, uh, hands Good down. One. Good one. Mm -hmm. And then with Honors is a close second. Dogma is a close third. Love it. Okay, I want to ask you a couple more questions about the college stuff because I know you're really immersed in that market. So... Well, I have kind of just like a funny one. Like, what's the meanest thing a college student has ever said to you? Because <laughs> they're a tough crowd. They are. I don't know that I've had a meanest. I think I've had a lot of people who just don't want to be in the room to have the conversation. And so they bring that chip uh, on their shoulder. And then that's in their feedback of you're the biggest waste of time. I will never get that hour back. Or this could have Damn. been a five minute talk and you made it 70. Why waste time? Um, and some of that is written feedback. Some of that is very verbal feedback. And so knowing that you're not going to reach everyone is fine because for every one negative comment, I might also get one or more thanks that made a difference. Or I appreciate that you, you know, brought that forward to really like help me interact with my friends better or, you know, show up for my friends in a better way. Love that. Another question on the college market side of things, like what do you see as like the biggest difference? You know, every year it's like, these kids are so different. Kids are changing. So it's like, 
how are kids kids different today than they were like a decade ago in your opinion uh you know and not to have the like okay boomer uh feedback for me i think the biggest difference is um and and we've talked about this before aj too is that you can't show up and just use the same language that you've been using for 15 20 30 years so if i show up at a at a room full of college students and be like okay guys here's what we need to do i've now turned off half the audience at a minimum um in theory or at least part of the audience has said wow he's not really inclusive how very you know 40 year old white guy of him Mm -hmm. and so for me how I've had to show up is to say, like, I'm bringing my identities and my stories and my authenticity to the table. That might not be the same experiences that you've had, and that's okay. And so the stories that I used, and, and I've even, I've retired two keynotes because I was like, you know what? How this keynote played, which was one of my more successful early on keynotes, um, how that played then would not be successful now. And it took the pandemic and doing it virtually for me to really realize, oh, this is not mm-hmm. the right message in keynote for the current students. Um, and so it's taking this, you know, similar topics or whatever and just making them more evergreen. And you do that by not turning away or generalizing uh, student audiences. So if I have a bunch of fraternities and sororities, I want to be able to lean on my own experience to bring that to them. But if I have a generic student audience, I can't only use fraternity and sorority stories. So there's an adaptability in in what we're saying, but then also an adaptability over time of how are you then engaging? People want to be engaged more. I can't just get up and give 60 minutes of, of content. I now need to make it engaging. And we know from just the speaking industry, more and more audiences want actual engagement in the moment not this was all cool but this was 60 minutes of me just sitting yeah Yeah. happens a lot absolutely okay last question for you dan what do you love the most about being a dad yeah you brought up that a lot you're a dad you're a great dad it seems i try and and i said i will say that there are a lot of struggles i'm thankful that my ex-wife and i get along um you've heard me refer to her in my past as a spouse emeritus um because she didn't like ex-wife <laughs> and we co-parent really well so uh the spouse emeritus and i do a lot together uh we take family trips and stuff and you know i think the, the biggest win so like i was in the bay area for an engagement this week, Wednesday, Thursday. Came back early Thursday morning because I had to change some flights around. My daughter got dropped off because her high school's not that far from my place. And so she got dropped off. She was like, hey, I'm at your house. I was like, oh snap, I'll be there from the airport in like 15 minutes. And uh, I walk in and I get like an off the ground hug. And so like that moment was like really cool and really touching. Uh, And I told her that like uh, later that afternoon, I was like, hey, that was really cool. And she was like, I'll give you another one. And so she's 14 and at that age where I'm like, that's not going to happen too often anymore. I know. Yeah. Son, he's 12 and and he's asking me all these like questions about like growing up because our interests are very similar. They're not sports based. Like my daughter's big into sports. I am not big into sports. And my son plays them, but takes after me and does not play them well. Uh, (laughs) But, um, you know, he's asked me and I'm able to say like, wait, I didn't play sports. And I used to read comic books when I was your age with two friends. Like I only had two friends that that's what we would do. Um, And so being able to help him understand his role and in the world as a young, you know, white identifying male, um, has been has been challenging, but really fun in that regard to have 
to show him that it's okay to be vulnerable and it's okay to have emotions that aren't just stoic or angry and and helping him process has been fun and and him he'll ask me male development questions which there is nothing as awkward as having to answer some male development or teenage development questions with children and i feel like carter Mm. from i've like met the little guy a couple times he seems very upfront and not afraid to ask questions Yeah, my proud slash upset moments with him is when he imitates me, <laughs> and I I have to pull that back, and I'm like, all right, I need you to stop now, because I'm seeing too much of me and what you're doing. <laughs> That's so funny. All right, Dan, well, you uh, you accomplished the, the main goal here. You answered 40 questions under 40 minutes, so congratulations. Caitlin, good job on keeping Yay. things on track. <laughs> it was just Dan and me, we'd be way, like, we'd be dead. <laughs> yep, it would have been an all-night thing. We would have watched it slowly get dark. <laughs> That's so funny. It's already dark here in Boston. Okay, Dan, uh, let's uh, just wrap it up here. Where can people find you? Uh, well, as it turns out, not many people named Dan fail in the world so i am dan fail on all social media and website d-a two l's two l's because you go twice as hard love that all right dan it's been a pleasure thank you you so much thank y'all can't wait to see y'all soon all right bye-bye thank you Bye. Bye. thanks for listening if you enjoyed this episode please leave us a review